Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Now we'll turn our attention to God's Word. We'll be hearing God's Word this morning from Genesis chapter 17. Um, and uh, if this is your first time here, or it's been a little while, uh, to catch you up on where we've been, we've been working our way through Genesis and we've been following the story of Abram. And somebody asked me on Saturday, like, when, what, when does he actually become Abraham? And today is the day. Abram is going to become Abraham today. So I'll, I don't have to mess up his name anymore. He's now Abraham, or he will be uh, in this chapter. But the important thing to realize as we read this, there's, there's two things here to realize. One, there's a sense in which this is, this is called God's covenant. Abraham in the covenant of circumcision is the title that we put on this. And there's a sense in which this is part of this has already happened. If you were here two weeks ago in Genesis chapter 15, God made a covenant with Abram. And now he's making a covenant with Abraham again. And so you can wonder what, why. And it's a perfectly good question to ask yourself as you listen to this. Why does God need to make another covenant with Abraham? The second thing that's important to understand here is what happened right before this. The chapter right before this covenant with Abraham uh, that we're going to read today was not a good chapter for Abraham. Last week, Abram and his wife Sarai and, their, and Sarai's servant Hagar, it was, it was bad all around. It was a bad moment in Abram's life. He tried to make God's promises happen for himself. They cast out the servant. They did not treat her well. It, it was not good. So God is now coming to Abram after a bad episode. We saw last week that Abram was, that Abram was hopeless and Sarai was harsh. And these are the people to whom God comes to make his covenant. So keep that in mind as we read through Genesis chapter 17. Um, when it refers to Ishmael in here, Ishmael is the son of Hagar that Abram had with Hagar. And Sarai, his wife, who becomes Sarah, has no children, has not been able to have children. So let's read now from Genesis chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, and the Lord, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you, and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring uh, throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he is born you in your house and he was born with, bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. 
Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael his son, and all those born in his house or bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised, and all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that you did this for Abraham so long ago, that you made this covenant with him. It was not just for him, but it was for us. We thank you that this was written down and preserved for us, that we may know this may be your word for us today. We pray now that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would take this word and sink it deep into us. That this would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live, today and in days to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we look at this, at this chapter in Genesis, I want you to think for a moment about rituals. Because what we have here is clearly a ritual. A ritual is something we do, and sometimes it's not always immediately obvious why we do it. But it is something that has more meaning than is obvious at first. And clearly here, circumcision is a ritual. But we know, we know about other rituals. So think, what are, what are some of the rituals that we have, either in our culture or in your personal lives? When we think in our culture, you might think of the ritual before virtually any sporting event uh, that takes place in this country, that we stand and we sing the national anthem. It's a ritual. It's a ritual to remind us of who we are as a people, to bring us together. That's the purpose of it. That's the point. We have rituals in our families. We have rituals about how we get up in the morning, how we go to bed at night. And if those things are left out, people can get very upset. Uh, we have a ritual, a ritual in my house that every, every night uh, Toby comes down and he says, Daddy, Toby's, Toby's not in here, he's over there, but, you know, Toby's 12, so Toby could do this himself, but he says, Dad, can you, can you fill up my water bottle? Can you put ice in it? Sure, I can do that. I put ice in his cup, and we, we talk about it, we joke about it. Could you do that for yourself? Yes, I could do that for myself, but, but can you do it? Say, so Toby, really you're saying, can you come and do our nightly ritual? Can we go through our nightly ritual? It means something. It's a comfort. It's a support. But it doesn't actually do anything for you. He doesn't need me to fill up the cup, right? 
But these rituals matter to us, whether they're in our families, whether they're in our cultures, whether they're in our churches, we have rituals all around us. Those are rituals we often create for ourselves, and they're good and valuable. What we have in Genesis 17 is even more important, because this is a ritual that God himself has commanded. And when we have a ritual that God himself has commanded, then we have to take it even more seriously. And we have to think about it. What does this ritual mean? What is the purpose of it? But what we find when we think about circumcision, we think about it here in Genesis 17, it doesn't really tell us anything about why. Why circumcision? What is the meaning of this? We, you know, we could, there's lots of speculations uh, that maybe there's a connection here between circumcision and offspring. That's been a big theme of Genesis, that, that could make sense. Maybe there's a connection with purity. Various cultures throughout the world practice circumcision for various reasons. But the, the truth is the Bible does not say. What it says is that this is a sign of the covenant. Why should they do it? Simply because God said so. This is the sign of the covenant. And whatever meaning you may assign to it, it's not a terribly obvious sign. It's not a very visible sign. It's only applied to males. You know, there, there's some issues here. But this is the sign that God has commanded. So we take it seriously. What could be the purpose of a ritual that God has commanded? It's not just the comfort, the familiarity of our rituals. There's something more here. Because the rituals that God commands do even more for us than just our own comfort, our own sense of self, our own sense of identity. They become the very means of God's grace to us. The rituals that God commands are God's grace to us. Because when you step back from the ritual aspect of this, we say, what is really happening here in Genesis chapter 17? What's really happening is that God's grace is overflowing abundantly. That's what we see in Genesis chapter 17. We see that first because what I said at the beginning, because Genesis 17 follows Genesis 16. And Genesis 16 was a low point. Genesis 12 was a low point. Abraham has gone through low points. He has been hopeless. He has been lacking faith. He's also done some good things. He's had some faith. He's obeyed God on the whole. But, God, but Abra, God made a covenant with Abram in chapter 15. Abram immediately responded by trying to make, take matters into his own hand. And God comes back with grace. Why are, there two, why are there two covenants here? To say that Abraham did not mess up the first covenant. It could not be messed up. Because these are God's covenants that he has committed himself to. And so he comes back to Abraham in grace and says, here I am. Yes, you tried to take matters into your own hands. You forgot to trust me, you failed to trust me, I am coming with grace. So the, the existence of this covenant is grace. The repetition of the promises, the changing of his name to Abraham, that means father of the multitude. Or, yeah, father of a multitude, that's Abraham. He, a, a multitude of nations, kings shall come from him. 99 years old, and God says, yes, still you will have a multitude of descendants, just like I said to you before. And then more grace. When Abraham responds and says, ha, ha, can't happen, God. Did you, hear, did you catch that? Abraham laughed. Verse 17, Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? He laughed himself, can't happen. He even spoke, said it back to God. God, how about Ishmael? Like, we've got him. Like, just do Ishmael. 
And God's grace is both that he sticks with Abraham and says, nope, I'm not going to condemn you for that. I'm not going to cast you out for that. But my promise is for Isaac. And his grace is that he will bless Ishmael too. Ishmael was not supposed to happen. That was not part of God's command to Abraham. And yet Ishmael came and God says, yeah, blessing there, multitude there, princes there. God's grace is abundant and overflowing. Is God's grace only for, through, for Isaac? No, it's for Ishmael too. In fact, it's for all the servants of Abraham's household. Everybody gets a piece of this grace because God's grace overflows abundantly. So if you remember nothing else, the two words to remember for this are grace and ritual. God comes with his grace, his abundant overflowing grace. We receive it in faith, following the rituals he has given us. And so now you've got a reasonable question though, as I say, we've got to pay attention to these rituals. It's like, well, but we don't circumcise anymore, like, or not for religious reasons at least. So what, what happened here? So you can, go, you can go a long way on this. You should come to Sunday school for that. Um, and come to Sunday school like 10 times over because there's a lot that could be said. But if we look here, we can see three places very quickly and briefly, three places where God's grace comes abundantly and what that means for our rituals today. So the first place is God's grace for the helpless, God's grace for the doubters, and God's grace for all people. God's grace for the helpless, for the doubters, for all people. So first, God's grace for the helpless. One of the things about circumcision is that what God commands for it is it is to be done for those who are helpless. It is to be done at eight years old. It is not really something Eight days old, sorry. Eight days old. It is to be done at eight days old. It is not something that people do for themselves. It is something that is done to them. It is God's mark on them that they will be part of his covenant. They will be part of his family. And here, not only is the mark of, of circumcision a mark for those who are helpless, Abraham is helpless. He is 99 years old. Sarah is 90. They have no child. They cannot make this happen. They tried and it went very badly. Right? And it, that will continue to cause problems later. But they are helpless. Abraham here is helpless. He can do nothing. And God comes in grace for the helpless. And I love people talk about how this, this is not an unconditional covenant. This, you know, God tells Abraham to, do, Abraham to do something. What does he tell him to do though? This is as for you, verse 9, you shall keep my covenant. All right, work hard, Abraham. Keep your covenant. This is my covenant. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And you kind of, really? Like, that's all? Like, that's what we have to do? Why? Because Abraham is helpless. So it is to receive it in faith. So where is God's grace for the helpless today? Today we receive God's grace for the helpless in baptism. One of the things I love about baptism is that nobody baptizes themselves. You cannot baptize yourself. Whether you are baptized as a small infant or whether you are baptized as a child, whether you are baptized as a young adult, whether you are baptized as an old adult, nobody baptizes themselves. You have to be baptized by somebody else. You have to be baptized by the, the minister acting on God's behalf to say you are washed, you are clean, you are helpless and brought into the family of God. 
That is what is going on in baptism. We are carrying forward this mark, this ritual that God has now given us in baptism to say we are part of His family, that we are receiving the grace of His covenant when we are helpless. So there's grace for the helpless. And then there's grace for the doubters. Abraham doubts. He says, look, sure, God, we can't, it's not going to work. Like, sounds good, but not going to work. Let me see. Let me see it happen. How about, how about right here? How about Ishmael? Right? Abraham is doubting, and God comes with grace. God says, if you doubt, with circumcision, he is saying, if you doubt, you will always see. It may not be a very public sign, but it's a personal sign to see that I am with you, that I have marked you, that I will be your God, and you will be my people. And so now we all have our own sign that God has given us. It's on the table before me. For the Lord's Supper is the table for those who doubt, the table to come back to week in, week out, whether you've had a good week or a bad week, whether you're feeling on fire for God or whether you're feeling dry and empty, to come to the table and taste and know that Jesus gave himself up for you, that he gave his life to be yours, to say, I will be your God. You will be my people. This is the table for those who doubt. There's grace for the helpless, there's grace for the doubters, and there's grace for all people. This is the overflowing grace of God for Ishmael and for all the servants of Abraham's household. God says the line of blessing, the line of God's blessing in the world is going through Isaac. That was God's plan. That is God's promise. It has to be that way. It has to come through a specific line, a single offspring, because that line has to run down to Jesus that will be the source of blessing for the entire world. That is God's covenant promise that he makes, but that overflows in blessing for the whole world. I loved what, I don't remember whether it was Nick or Genevieve who said earlier about going to the unreached people groups and saying, we're not going to bring the Western church there. We're going to bring the gospel of Jesus there, that they may have a church for themselves, because that is what we need. In every place in the world, we need the church, the gathering of God's people in every place and space in its own cultural context where anybody can come and see that God's people have gathered together and the presence of God is there. Where do you find the overflowing grace of God for all people? You find it in worship. You find it in the gathering of God's people. You find it in the word of God and in the prayers. What are we doing when we come together here for, for worship on Sunday morning. It's not just to learn. It's not just to sing. Yes, we like to sing. Yes, we have wonderful singers. Maybe we have some okay teaching sometimes with good singers, okay teaching. But what we are coming to do here is to worship. Whether you get anything out of it or not, whether you remember anything from this morning, you have met God this morning. You have been filled. He is giving his grace to you as you listen to his word, as we pray together, as we sing together, as we take of the Lord's Supper together, you are receiving the grace of God. For his grace overflows. And how does his grace overflow? I mean, it overflows kind of like, we're kind of like this jar. You know what's in this jar? There's baking soda in this jar. And in this jar of baking soda, it doesn't do much. Baking soda here is helpless. You may doubt whether there's much going on with this baking soda. But, oh, but, oh, but what happens 
to this jar of baking soda when God's vinegar comes upon it. What does vinegar do? I mean, vinegar, there's suffering in vinegar, right? This doesn't always come easy. Sometimes there's suffering. But when God's Spirit comes upon our dry baking soda, His grace overflows through His people. I didn't even spill. Look at that. All right? I had my jar and everything. But may you remember God's overflowing grace, that He comes for the helpless, He comes for the doubters, He comes for all people. He gives us His means of grace, His rituals that actually give grace to us. When we are baptized, when we take the Lord's Supper, when we hear the word, when we pray together, we receive his grace. We receive it by faith. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We pray that you would give us your grace more and more. That when we are dry and weary and hopeless and helpless and doubting, may your grace overflow in our lives. And as it overflows in our lives, may it overflow for the good of others as we extend your grace more and more. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.